You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Hello, humans. Welcome to Not You Guillermo, a What We Do in the Shadows podcast brought to you by The Dip. I'm Nicole Conlon. And I'm Patrick Monahan. This week, we're going to recap episode eight of season three of What We Do in the Shadows, and we're going to take you behind the scenes at New York Comic Con and share some interviews that I got with the cast and crew. Let's dive in, shall we? So this week was season three, episode eight of What We Do in the Shadows. It was called The Wellness Center, and the official episode description was Nandor is persuaded to reject vampirism and pursue a healthier lifestyle. This was a really fun episode. I enjoyed this episode a lot. To recap, it is Nandor's Ascension Day, which is the anniversary of the day that he became king. He has a title, but it's the anniversary of the day that he ascended to the throne. It's his Ascension Day. And uh, the housemates, I would say, are uncharacteristically into it. We open with Guillermo talking about how he sets up a celebration every year. There's like balloons everywhere. Nadja and Laszlo both dress up in traditional Persian garb and dance. Colin Robinson does a very upsetting belly dance that he's very (laughs) into. And Guillermo has learned to play some sort of traditional instrument. So this is like a big deal for them every year. And this year they go to Nandor's coffin to wake him up to celebrate his Ascension Day. And he's not into it. And it turns out he's depressed. And Nadja and Laszlo tell us in their talking heads that vampiric depression is very real. When you realize that you know, you are going to live in eternity and and there is nothing more than this forever, then you can sort of descend into nihilism and it's best to just avoid vampires in that state. So you see Nandor kind of walking depressed around the house and all the other vampires try to like evade him. Uh, they'll run out of rooms be like, I have to go uh, get something in another room. And they leave. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Guillermo is like, we got to perk our friend up. And Nadja also, you know, wants to cheer Nandor up, but also wants to get some of the more onerous vampiric council tasks done at the same time. So she and the housemates get like the list of overdue dues for the vampiric council. Hand to Nandor. She's like, oh, there's this list of dues and I just don't know. We need a very manly, strong uh, person to, to go around and collect these dues. I can't do it. You you can't do it either, Laszlo, right? And so eventually Nandor's like, fine, I will go collect the dues. And he goes to this health club. And when he gets there, it's this very weird, like 80s vaporwave style club like I my family used to go to this gym in our neighborhood that was like so old not up to code and like hadn't been changed since 1984 and it was like the same aerobics classroom that was in that gym and you get there and it's sort of very unsettling because right away all the vampires are friendly they all greet Nandor but all of their vampire teeth have been removed and then he kind of goes, he's looking for somebody named Jan. Uh, so he wends his way down the hallway to find Jan, who is teaching an aerobics class in the very back of this big labyrinthine building. Uh, and this intrigues Nandor right away. Jan, who is played by Cree Summer, who is incredible and who we'll talk about in a minute, promises Nandor that they're working on a way to reverse vampirism so they can just go back to being human. And Nandor joins up with them. He's really into it for the rest of the episode. Nandor is sporting a very, like, 
a very cool kind of feathered 70s haircut, which I think works for him. You know, he participates He participates in this dance routine to an acoustic version of One Week by Bare Naked Ladies, which to him is like the most human thing that you could possibly do. And uh, he abandons the other vampires. He goes and collects all his stuff. He gets his human clothes, which is literally like a suit of armor that he used to wear. And then he goes to the health club uh, and he just becomes what he thinks is a human. Every day they rip out their vampire teeth and then apparently they grow back every night. So they have to rip them out day after day. Jan claims that she's able to eat an apple and drink water and you see her do it. But then in the background, like when Nandor's looking the other direction, you see her puke it up everywhere. So it's clearly not working, but Nandor wants to have hope for the future. So he joins this weird cult. And then Guillermo, meanwhile, is very sad about it. He feels like he has to go protect his friend. So he comes to the health club. He has a duffel bag full of like uh, all his vampire hunting equipment. He's got wooden stakes, crucifixes, holy water, the whole nine yards. And he goes to take one of Jan's aerobics classes and Nandor doesn't want him there. And immediately all of the other vampires identify him as a problem. They start to attack him. They're going to kick him out uh, of building, possibly kill him. And then he gets a water bottle that I guess is full of garlic powder, sprays all of them full of uh, with garlic powder. And then there's just like a big fight scene in this health club as he drags Nandor out to the curb and there's like so much fight choreography it's in multiple rooms with multiple vampires he uses a hula hoop against one of the vampires which I didn't know was an effective piece of vampire hunting equipment but I suppose (laughs) in the right hands you know you can work wonders and then eventually they get Nandor out of there and Nandor and Guillermo sit in the car And Guillermo tries to say, like, you're in a cult. We need to deprogram you. We have to deprogram you. And then uh, Nandor sings uh, One Week by the Very Naked Ladies to prove that he's committed to this lifestyle. And then cut back to Jan and the rest of the vampires who don't want to be vampires. And they decide that now's the moment. It's time to go walk in the sun. And Jan opens the door to the roof and all the vampires pour out onto the roof because what they really want to do is be able to walk in the sunshine. And they all if one by one catch fire and die. And then Jan says, well, back to the drawing board and turns back into a bat and flies downstairs. And I think that's everything. Yeah, well, you just uh, Guillermo uh, takes Nandor back to the house and locks him in the cage that he was in to start this season. Uh, and, yes, uh, and he, he tied silver chains all around the cage so Nandor can't get out. And he tells the other vampires that we have to deprogram him. So that is... The first of what of what I assume will be a two-part, although I guess we're so close to the series finale, it could be sort of a three-part arc over the yeah. final three episodes. Other than that, I think you had everything. The, the, the other big moment, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, is Guillermo, right before uh, Nandor leaves, has like a big heart-to-heart kind of and, and just, uh, you know, straight up ass if he'll make him a vampire again. Uh, so Oh, yes, of course. This was huge because... Nandor's leaving. And so Guillermo says, I don't want you to go, but if you're going to go, I've spent the past 10 years of my life here. Will you please just make me a vampire? But Nandor is now so disillusioned with being a vampire that he claims he doesn't want to do it because he would feel guilty because he doesn't want Guillermo to experience what he has experienced, which I think is also mixed with a little bit of like, no, I'm not going to do it, Guillermo. Uh, <laughs> but that yeah. was the rationale he gave. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a weird mix of selfish in the sense that it would weigh on my conscience, like centering yourself in that kind of decision is obviously uh, selfish, but also like, I do think he doesn't necessarily want to, you know, damn him to the same thing. But yeah, the fact that he immediately said, Oh, this shit again, the second that he started talking about it, you know, it's not really a good sign that he takes it seriously. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I, I agree. This was a very, um, 
We don't really get much about what anyone else is doing this episode. It's really just, the, I mean, once Nandor uh, leaves anyway, uh, it's it's basically just him. We see him in his new lifestyle, and then uh, we get back to them after uh, Guillermo brings him back, basically. Other than that, we don't really, you know, there's not really much to report on uh, as far as anyone else. Con Robinson yeah. does take Nandor's room. That's one thing I would mention. And yes. uh, puts his stuff uh, his like office, you know, his file cabinet. That's his nightstand, and uh, all of his just very boring, unexotic furniture. And also, apparently, a thing that energy vampires do is they uh, pass gas all over a room to leave their scent and also annoy people. So that's something else that makes them different from regular vampires. They have a gastro system. So yes, yeah. so that's uh, you More know something else that lore. we know about Colin Robinson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yeah. So that's the plot of the episode. I think immediately. Because this is a big moment for you and me specifically as fans, we have to mention the fact that Nandor said, good night, Seattle, and good mental health. Yes. Uh, which is, of course, a reference to everyone's favorite radio psychiatrist, Fraser Crane. Yeah, that was big. Yeah, and it's huge for me and Patrick in particular, if you follow us on the internet at all. Yeah, I, you know, that was, uh, I actually saw, and we're going to talk about this later, the Comic-Con, but they screened this episode at the Comic-Con panel. And I it, I had to contain myself when that happened. Uh, I didn't want to uh, get thrown out or anything. You know, they're, they're very serious about not doing anything. You know, obviously no phones or anything uh, or pictures during the episode itself. During the panel, it was fine. But uh, I was very aware that I could be uh, yoked up and gotten and chucked. So I don't want to uh, maintain yeah. my objectivity. So, yeah. No, I th- used to – did they do – I used to go to the Telluride Film Festival and they – and that's like where all of the big like Oscar contenders first have their big screenings most of the time. And they used to have guys with like night vision goggles in like all quarters of the theater, like snipers. But it would be like, you know, the King's speech was playing or something. Yeah. I didn't see anyone in night vision goggles. I do love the idea of having to be tactical about stopping somebody from pirating the King's speech, a movie that I think everyone <laughs> forgot six months after it won the Oscar. Well, you know, like that. was Yeah. But uh didn't even win. That's the thing. I don't even remember. I, it, it, you, if you told me it did, I'd believe you. If you told me it didn't, I'd believe you. Yeah. Sure seems like one of those movies, huh? It definitely was nominated and all that, but uh, in terms of, yeah. So anyway. Anyway, this is not you, Guillermo, a King's Speech podcast. That's right. It's, yeah. Talk about uh, Jeffrey Rush and Colin Firth. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, this episode was, was really fun. Obviously, we got a, a great sequence of Nandor as like a short shorts uh, you know, uh, so uh, I, I believe the producers said they were inspired in terms of costume, in terms of overall vibe. They watched a lot of John Travolta in, in the 80s uh, workout yeah. movie that he's in. Uh, well, there's I, that guy, the one with Jamie Lee Curtis. What's it called? Yeah, I can't I can't remember it either. But that is specifically the one that was referenced. But, uh, you know, it, it's just it, it's it's also like the uh, which I'm sure is also inspired by the same thing. Per, the movie's called Perfect. It's called Perfect. Yeah, I just and looked it up. 1985. It also reminds me of, because this is more of a reference from that I remember being old enough to, you know, was the uh, Call On Me video, uh, the music video for that song, Call On Me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's just people in, like, you know, leg warmers and sweatbands and cut-off shirts and short spandex and all that kind of stuff. So, that, yeah, that's the whole vibe of this place. It's, it's an interesting mix, and it's an interesting choice. I think it makes sense, given how old vampires are that they wouldn't necessarily have updated their stuff you know like that what yeah what a wellness center means now is not the same as what it meant in the 80s but also like when mm-hmm. you've been alive for hundreds of years that's not a very long time so i would think they'd be maybe a little bit more crunchy or kind of talk about toxins more or whatever people talk about with that kind of thing just, yeah but uh 
I think this was a much more fun visually vibe to go for. And uh, we talked about Cree Summer, who uh, is somebody who was just strangely familiar to me, even though I don't think I've seen her like in a in an in a, in a, in person acting performance before. But she just had a, a, a like a real kind of vibe that I you know. And it turns out it's I think it's her voice because she has done a ton of voice acting work for the past. I want to say 40 years going back to the early 80s. And a couple of these things are things that like I had on VHS when I was a kid and also watched on like like the big one for me is she was the voice of Penny in Inspector Gadget going back yeah, to 1983. I knew that. She was also the voice of Susie on Rugrats. Yeah. And a lesser one for me is the uh, she was the voice of Kim in the Care Bears movie and Care Bears movie two. I remember watching those. And then uh, Mad Balls Escape from Orb. She was the voice of Freak Ella, which uh, I definitely I found that tape when I was cleaning out my parents' storage unit of Mad Balls Escape from Orb. So that should tell you kind of where I was on that. And that's all stuff from like the mid 80s. So she's been around for a long time. She was also in uh, another FX series called Better Things. It's Pamela Ablon series. She has a recurring role in that and she's very good in it. But I definitely know her largely from her animated roles. Also, also. She has one of the longest IMDb pages I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) It's She works. And I frankly hope that this appearance on What We Do in the Shadows will launch a bit of a creosance because she's great in this. She really is. I loved the, maybe my favorite moment in the whole episode was when she is drinking the water and trying to convince him, you know, and and he does a nice little bit of (laughs) Yes. It's like, I'm sure you understand as vampires, we can't eat or drink, so I don't want any water. But she's like, ah, it's too bad. And then she drinks like half a glass of water and and then immediately creates this very specific distraction that's like, no, you have to hit the Epson 4500, not the Bonjour printer, like she's yelling at an assistant (laughs) out in the hall. Yeah. Like a very specific thing about a drop down setting in the print menu, like on the computer, and then immediately goes and throws up, uh, which is just so funny. (laughs) And <laughs> it's really good. The faces that she makes when she's eating the apple, trying to convince Nandor that she likes the apple are also quite good. And I think maybe the line of the episode is when Nandor delivers this very like poetic monologue about how he feels now that he's in the wellness center and how inspirational Jan is. And it's like, it's so long. It's several minutes long. And then it just cut to Jan and she goes, oh yeah, we're boning. Yeah, that's the idea of how good somebody could get at being a scam artist when they had hundreds of years to work on it, you know, is just breathtaking. Because the amount of, I mean, forget about scamming humans, you know, that that would be almost child's play, I feel like. But, you know, even vampires who have also been around for a long time, although, you know, the our, our characters aren't exactly the most worldly people and savvy about everything, but she's super fun. We don't really get much in terms of detail about any of the other people in the wellness center, which... Is unfortunate because there were some that were pretty. There was one, the one guy who has like the Nosferatu face. And uh, <laughs> that was a very good. There's a joke where um, Jan says something along like, everyone here has gone back to being a human. And then you cut to this like half bat man who's nowhere near being human. Yeah, like we're almost there. I, yeah, when I saw all their teeth were gone, I initially was like, oh, damn. Okay. And then when they said they were pulling out Nandors, I was like, well, this seems irreversible and then he thankfully yeah. explained in the next sentence uh yeah they grow back every night it's like okay good that's <laughs> otherwise we're kind of crossing the rubicon here uh, a little bit with uh so the fight sequence is also great the guy who we just celebrated his like conquering an entire you know region of the world you know hundreds of years ago is the one who's running through and saying that's not nice as guillermo kind of yeah you know, 
kicks he doesn't ass. kill any of these vampires. He just kind of knocks them down. He's, he's not like staking everybody. But uh, he's like, that's not nice and stuff like that. And uh, just a fun role reversal. The yeah, the bare naked ladies' choice was really inspired. It's also fun because uh, Cree Summer is Canadian, and the bare naked ladies are Canadian. So, you know, yeah, I like that bas- they're and they're shooting it in Toronto. Yeah, that's maybe there's a law that you have to include, you know, like a bare naked ladies or like a tragically hip. I'm trying to think of Canadian like you know centric. Uh, I guess bare naked ladies kind of kind of transcended Canada. Rush. Russia's Canadian, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, Russia's yeah, those are the big ones. But uh, they, you know. Super fun. I really enjoyed that entire sequence. Um, and it also kind of set up fun stakes for going forward, which I really like too. We'll see what is going to happen with the deprogramming. It kind of seems like he just doesn't want to be, he's like the guy in I Think You Should Leave Season 2. He doesn't want to be around anymore, ultimately Nandor, uh, <laughs> on some level. You know, he's yeah. not really... There's too much shit on him. Yeah. And by that, it's years of living as a vampire, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. But it's it's... Because, I mean, how many of those people, like, I guess they're supposed to really believe that they're becoming human somehow. I mean, like, but again, you know, they're all just working up for and And it's not clear how long any of them were there. Like, you know, they've been there long It can't long have enough. been long because we've seen what happens to our main four vampires when they can't feed. So that I don't think it's been long that they were all there. But maybe they're also still being given blood or something. Yeah, there's got to be some way to keep the scam going. So, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. But then, yeah, the straight up. I thought it was funny that they, the angle of them running out onto the roof, you could see the fire, like, there's no way you couldn't Coming see the through the door. Were, right, yeah. like they were catching on fire <laughs> right in front of you. Everybody running up to the roof for sure could see that everybody in front of them was bursting into flames. Right, like it's not, it's not like they, it's not like it takes a second, so you wouldn't know, you know, it's like, nope, they're all just, the second they get out there, boom, and I guess that's how you really pretty rough, you know, because I'm not sure what she thought the consequences were going to be, but like, they were, the, the, apparently the thing that led her to run them all up to their deaths is they were just starting to doubt her a little bit, and that's like a death sentence apparently, so. I mean, look, I think Jan's right. If I know anything from having watched, uh, you know, Lula Rich and Tiger King and everything, it's, once people start to doubt, that's when it all comes crumbling down. Also, when the law gets involved, but yeah, I mean, you, you just got to figure out. I sort of get to... the sense that the vampiric council doesn't want to fuck with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to figure out a way to, you know, do like a win prophecy fails thing. You know, it's like, well, it didn't work this time, but you know, we're still working on it and I've got to, you know, yeah. I don't know, try to start some way to, but yeah, it's true. Like, I wonder how much money she owed. I have to say, I'm not very impressed by her attempts to, you know, legally wriggle out of owing the debt. And I was like, well, we're not vampires anymore. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, so we don't like, have to pay. And, they, yeah. and she hasn't paid for like 135 years or something like that. Yeah, 132. Uh, and uh, he's like, and you still owe a substantial sum. Uh, and his, he just, his bill collector voice was very good. But uh, I guess she gets away with it. I don't know if she leaves. I don't know if the, that building is now empty or what. There's obviously a bunch of skeletons on the roof now. Um, or something almost. I think, the, I think they just turned into ash. I or don't ash, think it's yeah, straight up yeah. ash. Yeah. Um, but uh, R.I.P. to, I don't know. I think there was a Susan. Maybe I'm trying to remember <laughs> the names of people. Yeah, I think that, I think he kept saying Susan's name. Whoever the hula hoop one was had the the most exciting. Uh, she got smashed into the wall, and a bunch of the plaster came off. So that was nice. Yes, that was good. Oh, it's also probably worth mentioning that they clearly hired a bunch of, like, contortionists and circus performers, and boy, they could really bend their bodies around a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, the one dude was like completely flipped over. Uh, yeah, and like twisted torso when when I yeah think it was, it was like his in. yeah 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 because Guillermo walks in when they're just kind of setting up and he, he doesn't really have much of I gotta say his plan was not super well thought out I, you know uh, just kind of rolling in is one thing but then he's just kind of like working out it's like just do my fitness and he's got like well that's my bag so you can't go in you can't do that uh, you know just it, it, <laughs> yeah the idea that it just immediately crumbles like the idea that. You know, the, the show teasing the idea that he would, like, get embedded there or something. And we have, like, a little bit of tension. It's like, no, they found him. It's, it's immediate. It's like, it's no, fine. immediately. He this, is a half, no this is a half-hour show. do any of the dance moves. <laughs> no. You know, it's a half-hour show. We don't have time for intrigue. Just, yeah. just get him out of there. Strap him in the car and use the silver thread or whatever he said it was uh, so he couldn't use the seatbelt. Yeah, he, he put silver it. thread in the seatbelts, which is funny. Yeah. He thought of everything. It's also funny that he did. What was that? A Kia Soul? It, I think it was one of those hamster from the hamster commercials cars. Yeah, that's kind of what I. Yeah. yeah, it's a very funny car for Gear to drive. It was described. It was described only in any as a shoot the box by Nandor, I believe. Yep. So that's that's the only amount of detail that I can I can muster. I really like when they remember that there's a crew, like they and they're not with them. Like so, they had the the crew got in their own car separately. They had like a, a little like a couple seconds of them running in their own, and then because I was at first, I was like, "Well, what what's what's happening?" I was confused because I forgot that they had a crew following them. Yeah, that's probably another thing that Jan didn't really appreciate. I would imagine because she had, uh, the second that they walked, she in, said when Nandar got there, she said, "Come bring your cameras." Yeah. Well, of course you would say that if you didn't have any, if if you were trying to project, you didn't have anything to hide. But I, I can't imagine you welcome the. Well, this is going to be on. You know, I was like, "What channel is this going to be on?" By the way, uh, so I can make sure yeah. to uh, yeah. Is this made on spec? What's the deal? Is the show airing on FX in the show? Yeah, I guess that's the question. Because at least in the episode where uh, there's like the house full of 70s vampires uh, and the uh, mosquito hunters yep. or mosquito catchers or whatever are are in there, those vampires do go after the crew a little bit. But we don't ever see any other vampires try to eat the crew. So I want to know. I want to know what kind of waivers had to be signed. Let's get into the nitty gritty of, you know, the production paperwork. Yeah. What's the deal? Do they're worried about not getting renewed? What is the, yeah, that's, that, you know, that's one of those questions that uh, if I had thought to ask it, I would have gotten like a sneer in response from people who uh, you know, <laughs> write the show. Yeah. It's probably for the best. It's like, hey, uh, I want to nitpick a really, I'm like the guy in that one Simpsons when Homer does the voice of Poochie and they make fun of him at the thing. Uh, it, it's, yeah. Genius at work here wants to know, uh, have you guys thought about, like, is this, like, a show within a show? Or, like, what's like that? It's like, I don't know, man. We, we thought about it. They do a lot of work to make things hang together, and it's not worth uh, going down that particular rabbit hole, I feel like. So, fair enough. Before we uh, wrap up here, we got to run down our two questions we ask every week. Of um, course, yes. So, first is, uh, do we have any more information on whether or not uh, or how, I suppose, to kill Colin Robinson. And this is something that uh, I did ask uh, at Comic-Con. Uh, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But The only thing we know now is that he does have a digestive tract of some kind. And he doesn't eat food. So I don't think you can poison him because he feeds off of energy. But if he has a digestive tract, I wonder if there's you could work with that in some way. Yeah, I mean, I... I guess this just because I don't remember him like farting at all earlier in the show. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm remembering wrong, but like if this is a weapon that he has to deploy 
you know, it's just been going on the whole time. Maybe that's why everyone gets so fed up so fast. If it just like you go like when he was working in the office and it just like stinks in there, it's like I got okay, I got to sit down and have a conversation with this guy who's my boss right now. That adds a whole new layer to that. But yeah, it does not tell us how to destroy him. So unfortunate. And then I guess the second question is, you know, is Guillermo closer or further away from uh, becoming a vampire? At least as far as Nandor goes at this point, this seems like the door has shut until and if Nandor gets unbrainwashed. Yeah, this is definitely a new roadblock for Guillermo. That being said, I think if Nandor's plan had succeeded and he walked away from the vampire life forever, if he had been one of the ones who walked out on the roof, Guillermo might have had more luck with another vampire getting him, you know, getting a different vampire to turn him. So yeah. I could see, you know, at some point you got to cut your losses, Guillermo. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, we, we've been talking the past couple of episodes about how it seemed like he maybe didn't really want it as much anymore. But then we got a pretty clear evidence that he does just, it's like, come on, man, just do me a solid before you leave here. And no dice, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll, there are a lot of questions unanswered uh, going forward for the next couple episodes, at least, about what's going to be going on with Nandor and uh, what that means for the rest of the rest of the gang, I guess. So, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be able to find out more next week. But this week, we're going to find out more from your trip to Comic-Con, which we will talk about right after this break. If you're listening to this show, you must be a fan of the television. That's why we want to tell you about another podcast you might like called Extra Hot Great. It's hosted by Tara Ariano, Sarah D. Bunting, and David T. Cole of the TV recap website, Television Without Pity. Extra Hot Great covers TV premieres and big series, takes no prisoners and rounds of TV trivia, and inducts individual episodes of TV to the canon, which is their TV Hall of Fame. And Not You Guillermo listeners will be happy to know that the Jackie Daytona episode was inducted last year. Past guests include comedians Josh Goneman and Brandy Brown, TV writers Stephen Falk and Diablo Cody, and podcast hosts Brittany Luce and David Roth. It's a fun hour or so with people who love TV and are very good at watching it. Extra Hot Great is available everywhere you get your podcasts. And we're back. So, Patrick, you went to New York Comic Con last week. How was it? It was fun. I'd never been to Comic-Con before. Uh, it's one of those things that I had always thought about and then taught myself out of very quickly uh, when thinking about the, everything that's involved. But uh, we had a, a great reason to go this year, and that was because we got to do some uh, some Shadow stuff. So, you know, just generally speaking about Comic-Con, it's the Javits Center where it is is huge. Uh, the last thing I was there for before this was Meet the Breeds for the uh, American Kennel Club dog show. So you got to see a bunch of cool dogs. <laughs> Uh, that was very fun. That was pre-pandemic. That was like January of 2020. And uh, the thing I think I was there for before that was the bar exam. So not as fun. So this is a nice, uh, another happy memory to sort of offset the earlier ones. And yeah, you know, a lot of people walking around. They had a lot of money spent on Dragon Ball Z stuff or whichever iteration of Dragon Ball it is. I think it's like GT or something now. I don't know. Please don't get mad at me if you're an anime person. Uh, please, uh, it was but. a mistake starting with Z because then it's the end of the alphabet, you know? Yeah. Can go backwards? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, yeah. But whatever whatever it is now, they had people playing like a video game tournament. They had a huge statue of a Saiyan and then lots of statues of the guys doing poses and stuff, all the different characters, and you could take pictures with them and stuff, and that was fun. Well, obviously, lots of comics for sale, people in great costumes, all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was fun to go walk around. 
I managed to time it so I didn't have to eat anything. So I didn't have to spend like $30 on chicken fingers or whatever and sit <laughs> on the ground and eat them, which I think I consider a personal <laughs> victory. But uh, anyway, aside from that, uh, oh, also one thing I would mention is on the way back uh, after the panel that I'm going to talk about, I got to experience an escalator stopping while I was on it, which I have never experienced oh, before. Oh, God, nightmare. Was it, it, which direction was it going? It was going down. I think that's worse because because you have the downward momentum already. So if it stops, then that just makes yeah. it easier for you to fall forward and down. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was chock full of people. So even if I had fallen, it would have required like a domino like situation, you know, like so I guess if a really I guess if a really huge guy at the top, at the top. fell, then he could have created okay. the momentum required. But anyway. Uh, so that's the other thing that uh, I would report. Uh, not fun. Uh, you know, not sc- not too scary. It's kind of like, oh, weird. And then you have to walk down, which, come on, I'm not. No, thank you. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so so we, we went to the we went to the panel and that was really fun. You know, they showed the episode from this week and they had a, a great discussion. And uh, unfortunately, Kayvon could not be there, but he did appear via a. I want to say like the size of a, you know, a coffee table uh, FaceTime window that they had set up from, I guess, his, <laughs> uh, his hotel or his apartment in Toronto. And at one point he got up and did a little dance and it was revealed that he was in his pants, which I guess uh, is what British it's people British say. British for underwear. For underwear, yeah. Sure. yeah. So that, that was fun. Now, I have to I have to ask, was it was the experience of watching the show in a crowd of people different or better like i when i watch it i usually have it like on my laptop in my dark quiet bedroom but i imagine that seeing it like in a room of people would be more fun i'm kind of a two minds about that um there were about three thousand people there um so it was a huge you know hall that ha- had the thing set up i think it's fun to get the reaction from people but it's also the show is very full of jokes and so, mm-hmm. well, like whatever reaction there's going to be might like drown out some of that a little bit and, and so i watched mm, it yeah. again after it aired last night. Um, and it was, uh, you know, I think I caught a couple things that I missed the first time. Um, I certainly appreciated the uh, going and throwing up into the wastebasket a little more. Uh, that was a little bit, that, that whole sequence about the printer, I kind of missed that, the audio from that part. Um, so yeah, just stuff like that. But but it, but it was fun. You know, a lot of people, a lot of big fans, obviously. And that was cool. I didn't see any that I can remember any like great Shadows costumes, which is unfortunate. Um, I guess the now the the great costumes that I saw were on the members of the panel. So I don't know if we can put a link in the show notes or something, but listeners at home, you gotta go see what Natasha and Harvey were wearing. Cause I was like scrolling through Instagram being like, I don't know more about these outfits. They're very good. Yeah. They look great. Matt Berry also looked great. He was very uh, he was in, I believe, the Canadian, the full Canadian tuxedo. Um and oh, just looked looked a very, dream. Looked very great, uh, very cool. You know, I was trying not to freak out when I was sitting next to him at one point during the uh, part that I'm going to talk about now, which is, uh, so yeah, we, we uh, before the panel, we had a little bit of a press room that they had set up where we kind of cycled through some different folks and got to ask some questions about the show. And uh, we wanted to share some of that with you now. So just to let you know who's there, there's Paul Sims, who's the executive producer, showrunner, and a writer. Uh, Sam Johnson, who's a co-executive producer and writer. Uh, Yana Gorskaya, who is a co-executive producer, director, editor, and I believe she directed this week's episode along with a number of the other ones. Sarah Neftalis, who is uh, an executive story editor and writer. Harvey Guillen, Matt Berry, and Natasia Dimitriou. And obviously we did not uh, get to speak to Kayvon in person. They did not wheel the giant FaceTime thing into the press room, uh, unfortunately. (laughs) I like to think he was still sitting on it, but it was just like in a broom closet or something. Yeah, it's like, we'll get to you when it's your turn. So, uh, yeah, so, so 
just a few highlights here. Um, and, and we were able to record some audio thanks to uh, Samantha lugging around a you know big microphone. Uh, very professional. Looked great. Uh, so the first question that I want to highlight here is, uh, you know, we had to ask Harvey, you know, do you think Guillermo still wants to be a vampire? So here's what he had to say. I think because if you remember in the beginning of the season, uh, it wasn't much of a choice. It's like become the bodyguard or you're dead. And so he was like, you know, bodyguards, but not bad. <laughs> and so it wasn't the ideal like goal for him that he wanted to be. But he's also finding himself. We were talking about this the other night that like we're peeling away at layers of Guillermo that like, we're surprising ourselves with, you know? So it's like, he's, he has an idea of what he wants to be and he wants to be this for so long, but sometimes the universe is like, you're so good at this, you know? And like, try this for a second. It's like, shut up, I have an idea, I have a dream. And sometimes you really gotta just stop and listen to the universe say, hey, try it out, you know? And so I think this is where he's at right now at Crossroads, where like being a familiar slash bodyguard is his new chapter. And then that leaves the door open for anything in the future. Like, you know, he can still have that dream of being a vampire. Will he become a vampire? We don't know. Will he still have that dream? Who's to say? Do, do dreams change and alter as, you know, time goes by? Sure, ask anyone, you know? So uh, the sky's the limit. So uh, we, we were going to ask Kayvon about, you know, his relationship with Harvey and working together and their kind of friendship and, and, and all that. And obviously Harvey was there. So we got to hear a little bit from him and from Yana, the director and, and executive producer, uh, about kind of how their relationship plays out on screen. They uh, have tremendous chemistry and trust with each other. So, and it's some of the easiest work to do is their scenes together because you just, they show up and they're so open with each other and so willing to take risks and be kind of vulnerable and like take it to places that you wouldn't necessarily expect. On, um, and so that's, yeah, they and have for a really a comedy. natural rapport. It's like, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. There's so much trust there. Yeah, there is. And then yeah. we, at the end of the day, we're, we're doing a comedy, right? It's supposed to be fun and stuff, but we do have this really great endearing moment of friendship and connection with a human and a vampire, which is like so random, right? Because it's like, so I really credit like, you know, our directors and like our showrunners and our writers for building that. It's like sprinkled in really nicely and being with Kayvon is just like effortless, you know, it's just like connecting with each other is so like easy breezy and uh, and he, he makes me laugh like no other so I probably ruin half the takes that we do but um, it's just Both wonderful. Of you are yeah. <laughs> we all ruin takes. <laughs> the episode you'll see today, like there's they do stuff where they just got incredibly grounded with it, which is like unusual for the show, but that yeah. that took trust in yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. Vulnerability. Great. Great. <laughs> that dinner scene when Guillermo's about to tell him them about himself uh, and his childhood. And yeah. We went on for, there was so much. So much stuff. So much gold. I think I broke a lot of the you takes did, because uh, Colin <laughs> Robinson was saying stuff that I didn't expect. Like, Come on, you stupid bitch. You spell the tea. And I was like, mm. And it was like a moment where like, they're genuinely asking him how he's doing, which he never hears, and he thinks it's a trap. He's like, "What are you? What's going on?" You know? And they're like, "What's? What? Do you have a girlfriend? A boyfriend?" He's like, "Nope." He doesn't talk about sex. He doesn't kiss and tell. This is not comfortable. This is not the way he was raised. And so it's a moment of like really kind of all the vampires for the first time being engaged with him and being like, "We want to hear your story." And he's like, "Okay, the truth is, boom, they come to our dinner." You know? And just like, and the truth never comes out. And just as it always happens to him, you know? And then he just like takes a sip of champagne, just like, But you yeah. all did these massive improv runs and that was just like a, oh yeah, these, they've played together for a long time. Now this season, you know, we've seen a lot of expansion of the, of the world, a lot of new kind of 
creatures and characters popping up. So we, we asked Paul Sims, you know, about the things that they'd like to do on the show, if, if there are any that they couldn't because of time or money and all that kind of stuff. And uh, here's what he said. I think the closest we came to that was this season, the, the Atlantic City episode, because it was during the pandemic and we were like, well, if it's an episode about them going to a casino, it's going to be a huge space. To make it look right, you're going to have to have tons of people in it. Um, we almost gave up on it. And then Sarah actually wrote that one. And then we, um, then we started thinking about ways you could put people in the background and make it look more full. And I think in the, in the, I don't want to give away any secrets, but that's what we're here for. In the, in the boxing scene, we digitally like added added people to make it more full. But as, other than that, I mean, a lot of our considerations were just when the when the pandemic started, we thought, well, we we don't want to, you know put the actors around a lot of other people or be on location too much. But then at the same time, we started thinking like, well, we don't want the whole show to turn into just they're sitting around the house, you know? So I think we found good solutions. Yeah. I mean, that one in particular was like, um, I've worked on a lot of shows where they've had, where they're going to go to a casino and it's like this corner of the room with a couple of slot machines (laughs) and a curtain behind to sort of hide the fact that you're absolutely not at a casino. But because of the pandemic, everything, all the casinos were shut down. So... We, yeah, we had a whole big casino to ourselves. It was really in, cool. In Niagara Falls. Really spooky, but it was cool. Yeah, the only downside was that you think like, oh, we're going to have three days where we go stay at a casino and shoot, and then, but we couldn't even do anything fun at night. It was like go in the make-believe casino and then go upstairs and, you know, drink a bottle of water and eat some crackers. So. <laughs> Can we also asked about whether we would see other types of vampires besides standard and energy, like social vampires, something like that. And uh, here's what Paul had to say. And I thought that was, that was, I, I, I can't, it might have been Sam who came, I don't remember who came up with it, the, the, but the, the idea that someone, like, weed vampires and, like, it, that's the new energy vampires yeah. talking about strains Jack of cannabis. And Jake. It also advances our agenda against uh, legalized uh, marijuana. <laughs> I think we just start doing these stories and, and. I mean, we never set out going like, well, let's, how can we bring this one back? But we always felt like w- in the episode where Derek disappeared, like we had long debates, like, should we see what happened to him and blah, blah, blah. And we were like, no, it's better left a mystery. And then you get to the next season and people are still going like, well, did he get turned into a vampire? And it's just fun to go back. And the Baron thing came out of, we loved the story about the idea of the sire. And if the sire dies theoretically all vampires had descended from the sire and then it was another logical question the writers were like well if that's true then you know what about if the baron's dead then how come they're all still alive and then we went well maybe the baron's alive alive now Um, but that I loved uh, I loved that episode and I loved Doug Jones's performance in that and it's for him to be so uh, funny and sweet while he's like playing a charred half carcass I think was really an achievement really fun absolutely and an achievement to work in Baron riding a hellhound, which was yes, the was ultimately <laughs> there was a lot of talk about how to do it and oh how to gosh. make it look right, and it's like. You know, this, I mean, our, the, the special effects guys are really, you know, very serious about their jobs and everything. So we got a lot of different looks of like, well, does the Baron lay, kind of lay on and grab the dog by the neck? And, and we were all insistent, no, it's got to look like a cowboy. The funniest way is really straight <laughs> and then up. at one point they were like, it would be much easier, especially with this dog, if he's riding in a wagon that the dog is pulling. And we're like, that's really not what we're picturing. I will this show <laughs> if he's in a wagon. Yeah. <laughs> we also had to ask about cameos. You know, there's been so many great cameos. There's obviously the 
the huge series of cameos in the Vampire Council episode way back when. But we wanted to ask, you know, is there anybody that they're still looking to get people they would love to have in a, in a, in a dream scenario? And uh, here's what Paul said. I think anyone who's played a vampire is, is someone that we want eventually. And in fact, later this season, we have a great, a great movie. I don't want to give it away. A great movie vampire who comes and joins us. But we also opened it up a little this season. We have two very funny guest stars who have never played vampires who play vampires. So we're mixing it up a little bit. <laughs> it's hard but, to find actors who haven't played vampires. Actually. <laughs> so really, I think we'll be fine. But yeah. Everyone's played a vampire at some point this by this time. And while we had FX employees standing over the tables, making sure nothing was given away, we had to at least try to ask, you know, what can you tell us, if anything, about season four, what's coming? Didn't really get too much, but uh, here's what Paul said. I've been thinking about that all week, and Adriana has been telling me, and, <laughs> and I just don't, I feel like the last three seasons, the last three episodes of this season have so many good surprises and twists and turns, um, and stuff that affects the show in a sort of semi-permanent way that um, that I don't want to give anything away. And I even told them, like, don't don't release the last two episodes too early, and et cetera, et cetera. There's cool stuff that you've never seen before on the show, and it really looks great, having just watched, you know, the And obviously, beginning. and it's, and the, without being uh, treacly or sentimental, there's some heavy emotion because, because we're not uh, fibbing about it. Whatever. I've said too much already. <laughs> uh, Patrick, I got to know, my two favorite characters are Laszlo and Nadja. Did you get to hear from Natasha Dimitrio and, and Matt Berry at all? Yeah, uh, we, we spoke to them as well. And, uh, you know, one of the things we asked them that I thought was a good question to ask is, uh, you know, kind of what we were talking about before about how the, you know, the camera crew is running around. Where does the show air? You know, we asked them, you know, why do you think that these characters agreed to be in this documentary? And uh, here's what they thought about that. Because they're narcissists. No, they don't know. What, well, and they're not really sure what it is. They don't yeah. really know. I mean, in, in you know, in the beginning, they're not really sure what it is. I think I've got a good answer. They have been alive for so long. Yeah. It's something new. You know, they're like, why not give this a go? We've lived through wars. We've lived through pandemics. We've lived through dictators. So, yeah, oh, let's true. try the camera crew. You know, yeah. like give it a go. Well, they'll I mean, they'll I be dead, and it. we'll carry on, and it will. It will. Nothing means anything because we are alive immortally so yeah, yeah. I think that's it and I think for Lanzalo it's far more base than that it's just the more people to have sex with <laughs> and more people to talk to about having sex and then I very awkwardly managed to stumble through asking Matt Berry uh, what he thought of the kind of new this season at least Colin Laszlo pairing which has led to a lot of fun scenarios and, and here's what he had to say about that I've enjoyed working with everyone you know I've got to work with you know, Anthony and, you know, who plays Sean the neighbor. You know, I've got to, you know, and it's always a, a joy to work with other people. You know, I love working with Tash because, you know, um, you know, we've done it a fair while, you know, we know what we're doing sort of shorthandy wise. And, um, but it is, you know, it's always a thrill to work, you know, with someone else, whomever it is. Another thing we asked was, was about character development, you know, because we've, we've been watching these characters, you know, Laszlo, Nadia, Nandor, Colin, for, for only about three years. And, you know, in, in a lot of ways, they all seem to have grown a lot, despite being hundreds of years old and presumably set in their ways, you know. And, and we asked, you know, uh, uh, Natasha and, and Matt, do they think that 
these characters would have really grown so much in the last few years. And uh, here's what they said about that. I think I would probably say, like, that's their biggest downfall is, like a lot of humans or, or people who are alive, undead or dead, you know, you get stuck in your own patterns and your own bits of behavior and are like, oh my God, I've been dating complete hogs for like 10 years why haven't I woke like snapped out of that you know like it's the same thing it's like the same arguments the same minutiae because that's what we we do we don't make these like huge changes you know like Nandor's obsessed with being a uh, uh, like a murderer and a, and, a, and a sort of warrior but you know like he's learning now maybe he's not that's not so much his thing but he still has that in his head and you know like that and like Laszlo's like pompousness is maybe not as much as it was but he's still holding on to it but you know he loves Sean and he loves so yeah I don't know I just think it's um... well I, I think how the show works and um, to answer your question at the same time is if you throw enough preposterous things at and keep doing that then you, you know you'll see them react to that you know <laughs> if nothing happened and no one came to the house you know and they didn't do anything ever that would be dull you know they'd just be sort of talking to you it'd be you know like a circle jerk of absolutely nothing the fact that you know the house falls apart you know all these kind of things the stuff they have to kind of react to in the here and now and that's what I think you know kind of makes them interesting yeah and they're always fighting to survive so there's always jeopardy it's like every day they're like oh god we're gonna get die again and then we asked Natasha kind of a finer point is there a difference between Nadja and the doll with the soul of human Nadja and uh, here's what she had to say about that. Jermaine was always very, and Paul were very, like, insistent that the doll and me are very similar. Like, it isn't, like, two different characters. But I do think that my ghost has been on, has is, became a ghost when she lived on a tiny little peasant island with, like, nothing going on. So she is a little bit more, like, not as world, worldly as, as, as Nadja. So I think there's like that slight thing. And playing opposite the doll is just like an absolute, like I, I love looking at it. It's an absolutely incredible bit of kit. It's like yeah, no, the crazy. most amazing, it's so scary. Because it's, it's eyes move, like it's not, some of it is a little bit CGI, but mostly it is just the doll. And the costumes they make for her and they match my hair and it's just like, that's just a, a, a dream. And it's also a line I don't have to learn or yeah. a cue I don't have to take. So I'm like, oh, it's the doll. Okay, right, fine, fine, fine. So yeah, that's been so unexpected as well because it was only supposed to be in that one act. And then I yeah. think they were like, this looks so funny yeah, and good. Yeah, it was too good just to leave. Yeah. And yeah, I think that ep in series three where they have her like, like walking away with it. I mean, that was just yeah. like wild and so funny. The way they get her to walk, like as I've known, they've never walked before, is two guys in green screen yeah, suits, yeah, yeah. which is like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And they have these like wires that attach to her legs that make her legs walk as her. And it's like the funniest thing. This tiny yeah, it's little quite doll. Low fi, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, Patrick. All of this information is so good. I can't believe how many good sound bites you got from them. I'm thrilled to be listening to this. But the most important question for this podcast that I hope you got an answer to is, how do you kill Colin Robinson? It's funny you mentioned that. We did ask. And uh, by we, I mean me. And uh, here's what Paul Sims said. He is impervious. Well, it's, 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 it, the, that exact thought is how we sort of came up with his, his season-long arc this year is that when we talk about other vampire stuff, you know, it's often arguments about, well, I, they need to be invited in. Well, if you've been invited in once, can you just walk in again the second time? And we're all 
pretending like this is science and we're all just arguing based on <laughs> movies and TV shows we've seen. But Colin Robinson is the, is an original, you know, not seen before character. So we have really, we've had long discussions about well, what is this, and you know, it's it basically it started out as us saying, well, let's find out where Colin came from, and then going like. We don't even know where he came from, so we made it. Let's have Colin find out where he came from. Um, but it has a, I without giving anything away, it has a very good, uh, a very good payoff at the end of the season. So there you have it. A little bit of insight, not exactly a straight answer. So we'll keep monitoring, and we will find out what it takes to take out Colin Robinson. We will keep you posted as the podcast continues. Yes, and we might have some answers next week because we'll be chatting about episode nine in which Colin has a birthday. One of the vampires decides to say goodbye to the group under some strange circumstances. Thanks, everybody, so much for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter at Nicole Conlon and on Instagram at the Nicole Conlon. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Patty Mo. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. It really helps people find out about the show. And you can visit thedip.com to stay up to date on all sorts of pop culture. That's thedipp.com. You can follow The Dip on Instagram at The Dip. Bit. Tried to do an Andor. I don't know if that I didn't do it. I got No, it came through. I got it. <laughs>